Okay, we have with us today at World Ministries International, Bree Keaton. We're in our Bible College Chapel. It's our live audience from our staff and their families. Bree is a woman that I respect. I've known her a long time. Her son here is Dylan. Bree ministers to the pygmies, which, you know, not too many people do. And especially not too many blonde-haired, white-skinned ladies. She also has a tremendous testimony. We're going to all hear the testimony. She used to be in rock music and things like this. Okay, now, it is yours. God bless you. Thank you. Well, I'm going to start with a little testimony. I was born at a very young age. <laughs> and... Uh, Immediately after that, I think, my mother threw me into show business with my brother. So at three years old, we started going out together, singing and dancing, and we had a little act that we did. And of course, we started playing instruments, and we both could play five, six instruments. And so it was quite a show that we would put on. We began to do this more and more, and then we started writing our own songs. And next thing you know, we were being asked to warm up big-name rock stars. One night, my brother and I were on a stage. We were singing, and a man that we didn't know came in the back and shot me in the head. Now, that's not fun. How many? <laughs> I fell forward onto the audience, and I was laying there bleeding out. I had really, really long hair down here at that time, and the blood was just running down my hair. And I don't know. I looked up. And my band, and then all the people were just standing around me. Nobody was moving or doing anything. They were just looking at me. And the next thing, somebody finally thought, oh, let's call an ambulance. So I don't know why I didn't think of that first. So now I'm being dragged off to an emergency room. They took me in a room. The doctor came in, and he washed the wound out with salt water, dug the bullet out, no anesthetic. And he said, oh, you're fine go home. That's impossible. Okay. It just doesn't happen. But it happened to me. I went home and the worst part of it was the headache the next day. But I went on the next day and I was going to quit show business. I said, I'm done. And because a spirit of fear hit me. And I just looking around and I thought all the time somebody was coming to shoot me. So I just couldn't make myself stand on that stage. And my brother came and he said, if you don't get on stage tonight, you never will again because you're so afraid. And he made me get on that stage. Now, here's what I want you to hear out of this. I didn't know the Lord, but I was raised in a little Methodist church. Nobody ever got saved in there. Even though it came from John Wesley and all that, nobody actually knew how to get born again in this Methodist church. So while I knew who he was, I didn't know him in my heart. But there was a man in there that nobody liked at all, and his name was Ray. And he was saved, and he was exuberant. And he stood by the front door of the church, and he would shake your hand and almost break your hand. <laughs> when you come in the church, you knew somebody shook that hand, and you were greeted by this man. Now, I was friends with him. My family was friends with him. He was praying for me. All the years that I was out there serving the devil in show business, that man prayed for me every day that I would get saved and that God would protect me. And he was the one praying. And that's the reason that bullet didn't kill me. Now, over the years with my brother, and eventually he quit show business, and I went on with my own band. 
And so I wrote down one time 75 disasters that happened to me. And it got so ridiculous. You know, the devil did not want me to live. But God, God was for me. God knew there was an appointed day where I would come to him. So I could tell you stories all day long about the disasters, plane crashes. I drove two cars off cliffs. Wasn't even hurt. <laughs> I mean, so many horrible things happened. 75. And, and I just finally started writing them down because it was so ridiculous and over the top. But one night I got very depressed. I was in a hotel room in Florida. And I got all my pills because I was a drug addict at that time and an alcoholic. And I was depressed all the time. And I was lonely and traveling, 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 never coming home. So I just got out all my pills and I thought, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to kill myself. So I laid them all out in groups and I picked up a big handful and I lifted them to my mouth and the phone rang. So I went over and I picked up the phone and I yelled in the phone, who is this? Leave me alone. <laughs> and it was Steve, my keyboard player. He said, turn on the TV. There's something you have to see. I said, leave me alone. He said, no, 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 turn on the TV. So I hung up the phone. I went over, I flipped on the TV and there was Pat Robertson of the 700 club pointing right at the screen. And he said, put down those pills. <laughs> I looked up, I said, God, how'd you get my phone number? <laughs> I said, well, you found me in my darkest hour. So I'm going to flush all my pills away and I'm going to stop serving the devil and I'm going to come and serve you. So I did exactly that. Now, anybody that's ever been a drug addict knows that if you get rid of all your pills or all your drugs, you go into what's called a Jones and you start to freak out because you're addicted. But that never happened to me. I flushed him away. I told Steve, the keyboard player, let's go home. He said, I'm quitting show business too. And we got out of all the contracts that I'd signed and we went home to Kansas City. And when we got there, we got down on our knees in a hotel room and put our hands on the bed like this. And I looked at him, I said, what do you think we should say? He said, I don't know. What do you think? I said, okay, wait a minute now. Okay, here we go. Jesus, save me. So he said, Jesus, save me. I said, do you think we did it? <laughs> he says, I think we did it. Okay. And we got up. And you know, when I got off that floor, no drug addiction, no alcoholic was gone. The Lord delivered me. Praise the Lord. Amen. So after that, we started going to church and oh my gosh, we went to a church that was preaching the word of faith. And I'm so glad because I really learned the word and I pressed in and all I did was just study the word, listen to the word, go to church. And the next thing you know, they said, well, why don't you leave worship in the church? They found out we were musicians trying to hide the musician thing. No, you got to play. I said, I don't know what to do. What do you mean? All I know how to do is floor shows and entertainment and 10 instruments and show, you know. And they said, no, no, you just stand up there and play the songs and we'll give you the stuff. Okay. I said, I don't know. So we went in, we started playing music and we found out, oh my gosh, we can use our gifts that God gave us for God. Surprise. So we started playing music. 
And then we thought, you know what? We need to go win some souls. I can't wait to go win souls. I've been reading the Bible and it's talking about go into all the world. And here we sit. We've got to play music and win souls. We'll do the one thing we know how to do. And then we'll give altar calls. Because I grew up in a church. There was never an altar call. No, no. Can you imagine going to church and never getting saved? Never accepting Jesus as your savior. And so I thought I want everybody to get saved. And I was zealous with no wisdom. <laughs> I didn't know one thing how to do it. But look, maybe that was good. <laughs> so what I thought is, I'll just tell everybody what God did for me and ask them, do they want my God? How hard is that? So we went out, we got us a band, we rehearsed and wrote some music and we started doing concerts. We did malls, parks, coffee houses, anything, churches, and man, we started winning souls like crazy. So we thought, Hey, why even go ask permission? We'll just go out into the parks and set up and everybody there will come. They want to hear this good music, right? And so that's what we started doing. And people just flood up there and sit down. Oh, we love your music. And then all of a sudden I'm talking about Jesus and how he saved me. And, you know, maybe I'm crying sometimes. Man, I'm going to tell you what. Thousands and thousands of people came to Jesus. And I was so crazy in love with Jesus for what he did for me, saving me like he did. I just wanted everybody to have him. So I just, one day we were going to go down to the homeless place in Kansas City. It's a place called City Union Mission. We got their permission. Oh, yes, we have about 200, you know, homeless that are living here. And we said, well, can we come down and do a concert for the homeless? And they said, well, yes, we would love it. And so we came down. The band arrived. And when the band arrived, four men came down the street with shotguns. And they pointed him at the band. Now I was praying and the band was getting out of the car and I put my hands up and I said, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And I was shouting and they shot at us and all the bullets fell in the dirt. And then I thought, yay, Jesus, you are the mighty protector. No more do I need to get shot. I have the word of God, which is more powerful than any two edged sword. So this happened in my city. And from then on, I just said, hey, let's walk in signs and wonders and miracles. Let's absolutely walk in everything Jesus did. Because didn't he say, the works I do, shall you do also? And greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. So I thought, yay. And I started memorizing all the word of God. So now we so, said, hey, let's go into malls. So we go in and set up in malls and they say, yes, play. We'll get, you know, a crowd. We started playing. Everybody stopped shopping and came over and got saved. Then they said, get out. So that was it. <laughs> These are the things we did. We just love Jesus. And then after concerts, we do like indoor, outdoor stuff and started warming up big name Christian groups and stuff, which is really fun. After concerts, we go say, oh, let's go over to Denny's and, you know, have some food. So the whole band would go in there and I think, well, now all of them need to get saved in here. They're eating, but they don't know Jesus. So they're not going to enjoy that food a bit. So I stood up and I would shout, uh, who wants to get saved? And while they're throwing me out, people get saved. <laughs> 
So I thought, this is working. This is great. I said, now we need a bigger venue. We got to keep going. So now we started getting radio airplay, our songs. And so this opened more of it. Are you getting the picture? It just got bigger and it got bigger. And then I had three boys in a row and I laid it all down to raise my sons. So that was a six-year period wherein I didn't sing or speak in public one time. And God just began to teach me. He began to speak to me. And he began to speak to me about holiness and being set apart. Because, listen, I came out of show business. When you go around, you warm up groups like Chicago, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. You heard of these groups? This is who my brother and I warmed up. Herman's Hermits, Coasters, Drifters, groups like this. You're exposed to a lot of stuff in the world, but there comes a time in your Christian walk where you really need to get delivered and lay the junk down and get right with God. Now, I thought I was right with God, but I found out I wasn't. Come on, you guys. So I want to look at Joshua real quick. The book of Joshua. I just want to read a couple of things. Joshua took over for Moses when Moses died. Joshua stepped up, and so chapter 1 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, God is speaking to Joshua, arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all thy people. So now, he said, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. So Joshua is taking over. Joshua, he was old in our reckoning, but young in his reckoning, because God had raised him up all along the way. He was courageous. He was a mighty man of valor. He was a warrior. And God brought him up under the great teacher Moses. Well, you couldn't have a better guy to teach you and be over you. But Joshua exceeded Moses. He did. He led the people into the promised land. And he's worth a look. What do you think? It's amazing. Look at this. Chapter 3, verse 5. And this is where God was taking me sanctify yourselves. Can you guys say that? Really? You see, that's where we need to be now because we're going into war, if, in case you guys didn't know it. The United States, in my opinion, has entered World War III and it's a soft coup and you don't even know it because the church went to sleep. They laid down and they got comfortable and this is wrong. God wants us to rise up and fight the good fight of faith. There's a lot of language in the Bible about war. There's war, a good warfare, fight the good fight of faith. Here it is. But look, to do that, you need to sanctify yourself first. And then you let God go before you to prepare the way. Everybody with me? Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Don't you want that? Don't you want God to do wonders among you? And the key... The caveat, the first part, sanctify yourselves. Be set apart. Be kodesh. Be holy. That means set apart, different from the world. We do not need to act like the world, talk like the world, live like the world, roll in the mud with the world. This is not the way to win a soul. A couple of weeks ago, we were with a man that said, you know, uh, I wanted to win some of my friends to the Lord. So I invited them over and they brought liquor and they brought cigarettes. And so he said, I drank liquor and I smoked cigarettes with them. I said, my wife came down, and did the same. He said, I quit. She quit. But we wanted to blend in because we wanted them to come to Jesus. Are you kidding me? Who thinks that's the way to do it? 
The set-apart life is the only way because if you're rolling in the mud and eating the garbage and eating the poop with the pigs, you know, my mother was raised on a farm her whole life and she said pigs would go under the outhouse and eat the poop. If you want to go in and roll in all that with the pigs and then expect them to come up to your clean house and come to Jesus, I'm going to say they're going to call you a hypocrite. What do you think? God says, be ye holy for I am holy. He says, come out from among them, my people. Am I right? Is that God's word? Well, no, no, I want to go roll in the mud with my friends so they'll come to Jesus. This is a wrong idea, and it's not scriptural. God had to clean me up, guys. Listen, I was doing God's work. I was out winning a lot of souls, but look, I still wasn't walking the way I should. I wasn't 100% in there. Are you following this? So for six years... I had my boys, I had three boys, and I just laid on the floor and cried, screamed. I just rolled on the floor and I cried and I sat on the couch and I cried and I put pillows under my feet and I, I did everything in my power to worship the Lord and to plead with Him to cleanse me. And so six years. And all that time I wept and I cried and I said, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. But I wasn't. For me, it might take you a day, but it took me six years before God said, okay, you're ready now. And I was at a church service near my city, and in came a great evangelist who had a radio show at that time, and he was a fireball. Whoa, he was something else. And he was somebody that I listened to a lot because I loved the fire that he carried. And I came into the church, and lo and behold, he was speaking on a Sunday morning. It was January he started preaching the come to Jesus. I thought, everybody in here is saved, but you're preaching. Do we all need to get saved again, I'm thinking? But he just hit my heart, and I ran up and cried and everything. <laughs> and it was just a breakthrough day for me. And then I went home, and I laid on the floor, and I cried. And I said, God, either you put me back out there because my heart is bursting to go win souls, or you kill me now because I can't go on the way I am. Kill me. I kept yelling, kill me. And then I cried all afternoon. And then God said, it's about time. <laughs> you see, death to self yeah. is the key. Death to self. Then life begins in the Lord. I'm going to tell you what. The phone started ringing and God showed up and doors began to open again. They were shut tight and then they all opened and I started doing crusades again. And serving the Lord with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. And I took my whole family with me. All my little boys just loved the Lord. All of them saved at three years old. And so the idea of sanctify yourself is no small thing to the Lord. We need to be as clean as we can. So that when the devil comes, he can find no place in us. Amen. And this is one of the big keys to the mission work that I do now. We work in the most dangerous place in the world with the most hated people on earth. There are over 150 armies fighting in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Most of them are jihadists. They kill and eat pygmies, and they think it's okay. They think of pygmies, which are beautiful, tiny little people. They think of them as animals. And in their own minds, they excuse their actions. But no, these are people that God loves. 
12 years ago, God spoke to me in an audible voice, and he said, pygmies. I said, oh, pygmies. I like pygmies. And I started studying. And then two weeks later, he spoke to me again, said, audible voice, go to the pygmies. Four words. So I went off to raise money so I could go. And I went up into the Northeast. And up there, three pastors from Africa, one of them from the Congo, came up to me at different meetings. They didn't know each other. And they all three said the same thing. You can't go to the pygmies. Why? They said, because the pygmies are going to blow it at you and you're going to die. And if they don't get you, the African chiefs are going to come with machetes and they're going to chop you up and you're going to die. And if they don't get you, then the rebel soldiers are going to come with their machine guns and they're going to shoot you and you're going to die, but you can't go to the pygmies. You know what I did? I drew myself. Everybody, draw yourself up now. Put your shoulders back and lift your head and say, if God is for me, who can be against me? And I said that. And you know what? I said it all three of them and they all got mad and stomped off. So I said, well, God, it's going to be great. You know, there's opposition. The devil doesn't want me to go. So it must be great. So I went off to the Congo and I had to come across a certain country and I gathered up seven other friends to go with me. So I didn't want to go in there alone. I sent scouts to find me pygmies because they live in the deep jungles and they live in trees and they're mostly naked and sometimes they're hard to find. So they found me some pygmies and I came up to the border with my team. We walked up there with our luggage. Now we're at the top of the border and four men were standing over there with machine guns and they were enraged and they started screaming at us and shaking their fists in Congolese, which I don't understand. So I started to sing, Oh, the blood of Jesus in a loud voice. And I was singing as loud as I could. And they started shooting their machine guns in the air. Now, how many know that when you shoot in the air, what happens? The, oh, really? You know, people die like that because I had toured with blood, sweat, and tears, and I knew the song, What Goes Up? Must come down. <laughs> That's right. It must come down. So I'm standing there thinking, oh, oh, no. And I heard a noise, and all my staff, all my team ran down the hill with my luggage. <laughs> and they all left me there to die. So I thought, well, I will live and not die, and I will serve the Lord. And I started to praise the Lord with all my heart, and they're still shooting. So I felt a canopy of God's glory come down all around me, and it shone, and it was bright, golden, tangible. And I saw it, and then I looked around me. If you're a seer and you can see, you know what I'm talking about. I looked around me, and there were six giant angels with their swords drawn, standing all the way around me with the canopy of glory over me. So I turned, and oh my gosh, they're turning the machine guns on me. So I put my hand out like this, and I shouted, No weapon formed against me shall prosper! And they unloaded their machine guns at me, and all the bullets fell in the dirt at my feet. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We have a big God. All things are possible to him that believes. And the word of God is more powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. 
And when you speak the word with faith, you can expect a miracle. Our God is well able. I know what it is to be shot in the head. And I know what it is to use the word and stop bullets because it happened in America and it happened in Africa. How many are ready to believe that God's word works? Amen. Our God is more mighty than you can ever imagine. And you carry more authority than you've ever dreamed of. Your actions and your heart and your faith and the word synergistically together, you can overcome anything. The word of God hidden in our hearts. See, I'd memorize a lot of word because when I get in trouble, I don't want this to come out of my mouth. Oh God, I'm going to die because the Bible says you can have whatsoever you say. So be careful what you say. Amen. So we want to say we'll live. God said so. So here's the thing. There has to be a season where we set ourselves apart and sanctify ourselves and prepare for the things God has for us. There isn't anyone in the sound of my voice right now that God has not called. There's not one person that knows the Lord that God has not called. He has a purpose, a destiny, and a plan. And whatever it is, we need to say, yes, Lord. The call to mission started with going to the Amazon and my son Dylan and I went to the Amazon and we were definitely tested down there. There were a lot of things to overcome, but I thought I would show you a couple of pictures. This is Jonathan Hansen and today's warning radio program with Bree Keaton is over. Tomorrow we'll continue with Bree Keaton. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.